Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to our podcast today. We here at Global Outpouring have a vision to contend for the outpouring, to equip for the outpouring, and to engage in the outpouring. And today we're going to do some more of that equipping. And our subject is, is this an imitation? We're continuing our study in the book of Ephesians today in equipping the saints for what God is about to do as he pours out his spirit in a powerful way on all flesh. One of the things that he wants us to equip in is our character, our integrity, our walk of holiness. So in Ephesians chapter 5, it starts out saying, I'm reading from the King James, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. In the Amplified, it says, Therefore be imitators of God, copy him, and follow his example, as well-beloved children imitate their father. How does it read in the Passion, Philip? Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. This idea of the, the word followers or imitators, it comes from a Greek word, mimeomai or mimeomai, I don't really know how to pronounce it in Greek, but I hear and I see the word mimeo in it. And for those of us who are at least baby boomers, <laughs> we remember that the early days of copying, like we have, a, we have wonderful copiers now that you have instant copies, you just lay something on the, on the glass, or you could even make, make a copy with your phone. But in those days... We had what was called a mimeograph machine, and and it had it had like purple lettering. You know, when when the stuff came through, it had some kind of a purple dye in it that would. Uh, I I don't I didn't even know how it worked, but but I remember my grandfather had one, and we would crank this crank, and the paper would go through, and it would come out as a copy. Only it wasn't a very good copy. And that's what they used in the schools. Yeah, our schools had them. Many things were were done on those. Right, right. But they weren't very good copies. Now we have really, really sharp copies. And I think that's a picture of how growing in our imitation takes place. You know, at first, you know, when a child is learning to walk, they're seeing their their adult parents and their their siblings maybe. Our our son-in-law was was walking his uh, little over a one-year-old child down the hallway holding her hands up. She's, she's a really good crawler, and she gets around all kinds of places crawling. But she was so excited when her daddy was holding her up and helping her to walk. She was giggling and laughing as she was walking like, like she saw everybody else walking. It was like, oh, oh, this is what it's like. Oh, oh, this is fun. And as we grow, our imitating improves. That's what this is all about, becoming like him. The goal of a disciple is to become like his master. And that's what we are. We're disciples. We're trying to follow our Lord. We're trying to follow Jesus. Jesus was a perfect imitator of his father. He did everything that his father said. And even when he was just 12 years old, 
and he disappeared from the crowd going home after the feast, he was that age where he would have been bar mitzvahed where he would have come into the covenant. That's that's what the bar mitzvah is all about, where a boy becomes a man in terms of being a part of the congregation. And Jesus stayed behind to talk with the teachers, to talk with the priests and the, the Sanhedrin, the men that knew the stuff. He was talking with them. And when his mother came, his mother came and found him, you know, his parents came and found him, she said to him, Son, why have you done this? Your father and I have been running around looking for you everywhere. And he replied, I must be about my father's business. Well, she said your father meaning Joseph, and he said my father meaning God. He had come to that realization. He had come to that understanding of knowing who his real father was and being in communion with him. He had, he had already had so much revelation from his father that he was astounding these teachers. And they were wondering, how did this boy get all this stuff? And that was the only time that the word for child or children, the, the word that's used in verse one is, is technon. And it refers to the fact of birth. This is my son. I birthed him. Okay. So she was speaking to him, son, I don't know how that word is in the Greek, but it, it refers to the word technon. And she was referring to him as her son that she bore. But that's the only place in the scripture where Jesus is referred to as son using that word. The, the other word that is used for son is yos, which means a mature son. And it has to do more with the relationship to the father rather than the fact of birth. So this being followers, being imitators, being those who imitate is referring to uh, those who are the sons by birth. We've been born again. We've been engendered by our Father, our Heavenly Father. Our spirit has been awakened and, and raised from the dead, that, that spirit that had been crushed by sin already. So we are raised up in this born-again experience, this born-from-above experience. We are raised up to have that relationship of birth by our Heavenly Father. He's, he is our Father. We've, we're one with Him. And as we grow in Him, we're to be imitators of Him. But now, in our minds, we think of an imitation as being something that is, eh, you know, you get imitation leather. You, you buy a mm -hmm. Bible— yeah. It, here's a here's a word of wisdom for you. <laughs> if you're going to buy a Bible, buy a leather-bound Bible because it will last longer because yeah. an imitation won't last. And Not even bonded. and even bonded leather is just leather pieces that are stuck mm -hmm. together and it won't last as it'll last a little longer than a paperback, but it won't last as long as a good leather-bound genuine leather. So our imitation of our father this is a, a challenge to us to imitate him in the way that he really is. Not just like a child who says mama, mama, instead of mommy or mother. But that's the best a child can do, a, a little baby. This is an imitation of being like him because he's our father. 
And it really goes, it's really better understood as we go on in the chapter. But, but we want to not be an imitation of God like just on the outside, like mm-hmm. hypocrisy. We want to be imitators. We want to be an imitation of him where, where somebody can look at us and say, oh, is that what God's like? Please read on uh, verse verse two, because that, that really gets into the nitty gritty of what it looks like to imitate him. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God, like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance. Oh, a sweet healing fragrance. Walking in love. See, our Father is love. It's very clear. It says it in 1 John 4, 7, and 8 about, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God. Here we're talking about that same birth experience. Is born of God and loves God. He that doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. Yeah. So this is this is where we are seeing who we are when we look at him and we see his love for us. That's how we become imitators of him. And so much of the time we are not actually seeing the fullness and the depth of God's love because it is beyond our capability to absorb all that he is. All of eternity we're going to see more and more and more of his love. It's going to be revealed to us more and more. And so we cannot be complete imitators of him just yet. But our goal is to be a complete imitation of him in the same way with, that Jesus was. But the good news is that Jesus now lives inside of us if we've asked him to, to come yes. into our hearts and uh-huh. live there by faith. By our faith, our faith invites him in and he comes to live in us and our father comes to live in us. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. When he lives in us, he gives us the ability as we yield ourselves to him. So I think in the verses going on, we're going to talk about what we yield to and what we don't yield to. Let's go on. And have nothing to do with sexual immorality, lust or greed, for you are his holy ones and let no one be able to accuse you of them in any form. See, as we're imitators of our Father, our Father doesn't have any foreign activity outside of what he's supposed to be. He is 100% holy. He's 100% trustworthy. He's 100% true. There's no there's no darkness in him. There's, he is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And our goal is to be imitators, to be an imitation of him. So there's no sexual immorality in his, in his walk. Jesus walked a perfect walk on the earth. He was surrounded by women, but there was no fall in him. There was, he never fell for them. He never got out of line with them. He never got into, into uh, lust for riches or, or a, a gorgeous life. You know, somebody made him a robe that had no seams as a love gift to him. Mm-hmm. And he wore that, but he wasn't moved by it as though he were somebody really important. He knew who he was. He knew he was the most important person on the earth. But he walked in this humility 
that was a, a result of his relationship with his father. And he did nothing except what he saw his father do. Mm-hmm. So the imitation that he did is an, an exact copy mm-hmm. of the real thing. He was absolute truth. And that's why it's so important that as we walk in our lives, that we don't get pulled aside by sexual immorality of any kind, no pornography, no wandering eyes looking at somebody or something that you shouldn't be looking at, uh, no, no thinking about those things. You, your mind needs to become a steel trap that as soon as you, as soon as you have a, a thought that doesn't belong there, boy, you bring it down immediately. Mm-hmm. In that moment, you bring it down and, and you, you put it under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that the devil uses against us in our minds is, uh, especially with regard to sexual thoughts and, and thoughts that we just shouldn't have in our minds. He brings us into a temptation and then we get thinking about that temptation and then we do something in line with that temptation and then he smears us with shame so to make us not want to go to our father with it. Mm-hmm. But the thing you learn as you're imitating is as soon as you wake up to the fact that, oh, this doesn't belong there, whether it's at the, the point of the act or whether it's after the act or whatever it is, you run to your father. It's like a child with a broken toy. Daddy, 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 I broke this. Please fix it for me. Run to your father, not away from him. Because the devil is trying to keep you from running to him. But keep going back like Jesus said, like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because this is, this is befitting of us as saints. What are saints? Saints are those that have overcome all things on this earth. Or else they're in the process. We're in the we're in the process. We're we're not there yet, but we've already left. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's a good way to put it. But but he already sees us as the finished product mm-hmm. because he sees us through the robe of righteousness of Jesus. Yeah, that's very good. So he calls us saints, but it's not befitting for saints to behave in a way that doesn't look like our Father, and that's where you see this hypocrisy thing. We've got to look like sound like, feel like, talk like, and more importantly, be Be like like. our Father. What does the next verse say? Verse 4 is, Guard your speech, forsake obscenities and worthless insults. These are nonsensible words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. Oh. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. I, I also like what it says in the, in the Amplified. Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk. Uh, I looked up that word foolish earlier, and it was talk that exposes you as a fool. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want any foolish or sinful, silly and corrupt talk, nor coarse jesting which is not fitting or becoming. In other words, we're still working on being that imitation of our Father. He doesn't, he doesn't talk like that. So he wants us to not talk like that. And the way to get like that is to, is to voice, here. it says, but instead voice your thankfulness to God. So as we voice our thankfulness, we choose our words to be thankful. You know, when, when, we're, when we're tempted to be 
well, any of those things we've talked about already, or even to be sad, even to be depressed, even to be thinking about the way someone has harmed us, if we will in that moment begin to turn and be drawn to the Lord and begin to walk towards him with thankfulness, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. When we speak thankfulness, you, you can find something to be thankful for, even in the most awful circumstances. Be like a Pollyanna. And if you don't know who that is, look it up. Uh, <laughs> it's a great story. Uh, but be be always looking for something positive to say. Look for something to be thankful for, and it will keep your attitudes up. Mm-hmm. It'll keep your heart up. It'll keep your mind thinking on the right things as an imitation of Christ. Yes. You know, and and that that is the answer, especially for those that are going into depression. Right. You know, it's very easy to go into depression. I mean, you could lose your, you know, your job or this or that. And I remember in the and uh, 1980, and I, I still wasn't saved. I was backslidden. And I'd go through these seasons sometimes. I thought, well, I wonder if anybody will miss me if I don't show up, you know, Ooh. one of these things. And, you know, I used to bowl a lot, and I'd just do my bowling leagues, and then I'd just stay in my apartment. Didn't go to church, you know, the one church where the Holy Spirit wasn't moving, you know, it was safe to go there. <laughs> there wasn't any conviction of sin, uh-huh. you know. But uh, I wouldn't, so I wouldn't go to church. I isolated myself away. There wasn't any cell phones then. You know, nobody could text you. You couldn't text anybody. There, no Facebook, nothing of that sort. And then I realized, you know, this is going down a path of darkness. And if you continue to go down that path, especially with everything going on today, mm-hmm. I mean, if you listen to the news, there's a lot to get depressed about. Mm-hmm. And we would talk about that later on in the scripture, singing to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And if we're imitators of Christ, it's just imitate what is worship. What what would um, what would he do in his times of prayer? That's when he got alone with the Father. He got away from the, the, his disciples, his trainees, and mm-hmm. all the stuff that they were going through and all the baggage they were carrying with them. And Who's the greatest? And, uh, you know, all these things going on. So so if you imagine you've got a classroom of 12 kids, you know, and uh, and you're, you're going to have those that are going to be more problems than others, and, and you're going to have those that are maybe more attentive. And so even with the disciples, I mean, they they all had the stuff they grew up in, and, and uh, this is a whole new thing for them. You know, Messiah is here. They've been waiting for him, but here's Messiah. You know, and they didn't have any books you could read about them. It was just what was in the Torah. So this it wasn't like today introducing somebody to Jesus. You know, we have all the Gospels and, you know, the epistles, and and there wasn't anything like that. And when you think about that, you know, here's the 12. They, they're joined. They're following this man. He's Messiah. And Jesus still said, says, uh, there's some, you still doubt me. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, but now we're, we're without excuse. I right. Mean. <laughs> and the thing that made the difference for them was when they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. And that is the key. I think we'll find that further on. Let's look at verse five real quickly, because I think it has a very important point. Uh, I'll read it in the Amplified. For be sure of this, that no person practicing sexual vice or impurity in thought or in life or one who is covetous, who has lustful desire for the property of others and is greedy for gain, for he, in effect, is an idolater, 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So be sure of this, that nobody that's practicing sexual immorality or uh, being greedy of gain it has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So you've got to make sure you understand this, that the people who are practicing sexual sin, I'm talking about making it a habit, sinful sexual activity, whatever kind it is, or anybody who is practicing any kind of greediness, these things, it's, it's like idolatry. Greediness is like idolatry. And God thinks of idolatry as something totally disgusting. And he feels that way about sexual immorality. They are totally disgusting. So if they're totally disgusting to God, then they will never enter his kingdom. People who practice these things will not make it to heaven. Do you understand? This is critical that we get this. I'm not trying to keep anybody out of heaven. I'm trying to get people to heaven by in instructing us. We need to understand that if you want to get to heaven, you can't walk in this kind of practice. You have to be practicing the things that go on in heaven. We've been praying for generations, uh, for, for thousands of years now, 2,000 years at least, that uh, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we need to be practicing as imitators what goes on in heaven. So we have to see what's going on in heaven. It's holy in heaven. There's no sexual immorality. There's not even actually any sexual activity because it's spiritual. And, and when you get there, you'll find that you don't have the devices on your spiritual body to participate in sexuality. You'll have uh, an appearance of being feminine or masculine, but you won't have any ability to have, they're just, you're not equipped there. There's, that equipment doesn't come in the spirit. It's only in the body, on the fle- in the flesh, on the earth. So that's why it's so critical that we keep our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit clean. We have to be, we have to keep our bodies holy, keep our bodies clean from these things, keep our minds clean so that we don't, so that we're not coveting, that we're not looking for greedy gain, that we're not doing things that are contrary to the kingdom of God. If we want to get to the kingdom of God, don't you want to get to heaven? I certainly do. It's, it's so critical that as we become born again, that we have the understanding that our job is to become like our Father. And we do that by letting His Spirit operate in us. Does it say anything different in the Passion? I'll read it, yeah. For it has been made clear to you already that the kingdom of God cannot be accessed by anyone who is guilty of sexual sin or who is impure or greedy. For greed is the essence of idolatry. How could they expect to have an inheritance in Christ's kingdom while doing these things? Yeah. That is very straightforward. Very, very clear. And it has has to do with every kind of sexual immorality. And if you don't know what all those things are, here's a little homework for you. Go to Leviticus chapters 18, 19, and 20, and it spells it out very clearly. So let's go on. Verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who speak their empty words and deceptive teachings telling you otherwise. 
This is what brings God's anger upon the rebellious. Don't listen to them or live like them at all. Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with him. Your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. That's it. So you're, you're, you're comparing these things. You're comparing the way that we used to live before we were born again. Mm-hmm. Before, you know, when we were backslidden, I mean, maybe we knew him as children and we got backslidden because we fell for the delusion and deception that was poured out on us from the world, you know, as, as we were in school or, or whatever came through the, the television. Nowadays, you've got it coming through uh, movies and, and uh, internet and uh, yeah. through your phone. All of this stuff is being poured on you to try and blind your mind to keep mm-hmm. you from becoming an imitation of God. I just had a thought. What is your spiritual credit score? Oh, that's wow. very good. You, you know what the, the credit score is, how well you've done on your credit, how good is your credit? Right. You know, what you need if you're going to buy a house or a car or something. They want you to have good credit. But what is your spiritual credit score? Yeah. How do you rank? Mm-hmm. You know, are you up there where you're supposed to be, or, you know, what what are you listening to when you go into work all the all the day? You know, are you going anywhere in the car? You turn your radio or you turn your phone or something on, and you know the expression "you are what you eat," mm-hmm. or you are what you listen to. That's Whatever right. enters into your spirit is what's going to affect your heart, which is what's going to come out of your mouth. It's true. So it's just like going to church on Sunday. You know, you can fool some of the people some of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, but you can't fool all the people all All the the time. time. Yeah. Yeah. And there are those prophetic people that can just uh, smell you out in an instant. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of something that you said reminded me of, of the expression that that uh, everyone has inside of us, uh, a lamb and a wolf, and and so there's that wolf nature and there's that lamb nature, and the lamb nature is the is the imitation, uh, the imitator of Jesus. We're imitating him. We're Im- I mean, he walked this life so that we could see what it looks like. Here, here's an example of of how it should be, and then there's that wolf nature that that just wants to eat the lamb. <laughs> and so uh, I, I heard someone tell the story of, of, you know, how do you kill the wolf? How, how do you deal with this thing? Because, you know, it's like Romans 7, being, being that, uh, that wretched man that I am, I want to do this and I don't, and I don't want to do this and I do it. And, and it has to do with Jesus being inside of you. But the, the answer to it is that the animal that's inside of you, it's not really an animal, but you know, this is just an illustration. Uh, the, the animal that's inside of you will prosper if you feed it. So if you feed the wolf, the wolf is going to prosper. Mm-hmm. But if you starve <laughs> the wolf and give it nothing to work with, it will eventually die. So that's just a little help for yeah. overcoming, as you said, overcoming. 
So we were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. So our job is to walk as children of light. Our Father is light. He is light. He's, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he turned around later and said, you're the light of the world. Yes. And we're the light of the world because he lives inside of us. But we have to let him be seen in us. We have to be an imitation of him. We have to be imitators, like a little child, learning to do it like he does. And you don't always get it right the first time. But you, you keep at it. Keep practicing. It's like, um, you know, you don't learn how to play uh, a great masterpiece on the piano when you first start out on your first <laughs> piano lesson. You work your way up to it. And so there's no shame in working your way there, but keep the goal in your life to become like him. I'm just going to read this verse nine for the fruit of the, the fruit, the effect, the product of the light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness, uprightness of heart and trueness of life. Everybody wants truth, really. Um, sometimes we think we want lies, but there's something deep down inside of us, unless we've absolutely killed it. There's something deep down inside of us that wants to know the truth and wants to be the truth and wants to live like the truth. So verse 10 says, and try to learn in your experience what is pleasing to the Lord. Let your lives be constant proofs of what is most acceptable to him. Mm -hmm. Take That's no right. part in and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. But instead, let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. For it's a shame even to speak or mention speak of or mention the things that such people practice in secret. But when anything is exposed and reproved by the light, it is made visible and clear. And where everything is visible and clear, there's light. Therefore, he says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine, make day dawn upon you and give you light. I love how it reads in the Passion. Arise, you sleeper, rise up from your coffin. Mm -hmm. And the anointed one will shine his light into you. Yes. Yeah. So verse 15 and 16 says in the Passion, So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purposes. We'll go on verse 17. And don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. Beautiful. Amen. Hallelujah. And then it goes on to say, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. It's about the Spirit-filled life, the Spirit-filled walk. That's how you get equipped to be ready for, for everything that God is about to do. He's looking for people that he can use in the harvest that's coming. So we get there by allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us, to walk through us, to speak through us. And we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise with our voices and instruments and making melody in our hearts to the Lord at all times and for everything, giving thanks in the name of the, our Lord Jesus Christ to, to God the Father. So we are equipping, we're equipping by getting our lives 
into that place of imitating our father, you're not going to be an imitator of your father without spending time with him, without letting his spirit flow through you, without reading his word. Dig, dig, dig deep into the word of God. There are so many resources available to help you with your study in the word of God, with your, with your uh, walk with him. It comes from intimacy with him. It comes from spending time with him. It comes from letting him participate in every moment of your life. And that's how you become a real imitation of the Lord. Amen. It's beautiful. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence. Thank you.